Hi, I'm Cliff Chang, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. It's a new day. And here we are again. Oh, yeah. I still think we should do it daily. <laughs> How about it? I don't see the problem with it. There's, there's, I mean, we, there are things. We can definitely find things to talk about oh, every day. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to have the same format every day. No. Comic, graphic novel, whatever. We can, we can do one way back machine episode, one. Do it every day. We show Sirius if someone's are missing by not putting us on. That's right. Mm. That's a good example. I mean, we still buy. I think collectively, we buy we buy enough toys and tchotchkes to have a, a toy episode. And I'm not saying oh, yeah. that they have to be two hours long. If oh, you're, right. If you're doing it every day, I think an hour is fine. You know the expression, though. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah, it's true. In, in the case of both of you, yes, that is, <laughs> that is very true. Seriously. Yeah. By the time you see us at Heroes, it'll be you'll it'll be just enough. You'll be like, ah, oh, good to see those guys. Ah, and yeah, yeah. But I never ever want to get rid of you because this mm. is 11 o'clock comics episode 789 how about that it's a nice. consecutive episode i'm vince b you are vince b i'm david a price i can vouch for that and of course i am govidra seven but you can call me shatterstar hmm. i'll call you jason because you're not Look, I've, du- I've double bladed swords yeah Okay, you can go anywhere. You can you can go to a Comic Con and get a double bladed sword. I was number twenty nine in the fifty sexiest male characters in comics, Vince. Okay, Jason wooed everybody in the house. <laughs> and in case you forgot, this episode is sponsored by our patrons. Patreon dot com forward slash eleven o'clock comics one one no apostrophe. Go there, take a look around. We do a lot of stuff daily, multiple things daily. Images, videos, audios, all that stuff. A poll every month. What's this you say? Yes. Every well no, we don't have a poll. We have we've we've tweaked it. I almost forgot. Mm-hmm. We we've tweaked it to the point where people can now submit entries for our book of the month. There's no set list of 11. That was fun, but that ran its course. Now, you can suggest something that came out 40 years ago, and it will go into the pot, and we uh, collectively look at which ones got the most votes, and then those go into a a stew, and then we pick uh, whatever. It's arbitrary, whatever uh, floats our boat. But if you are the one that does the picking, the choosing, you will get a special shout-out on the show and be elected into the 11 o'clock Book of the Month Hall of Fame winners. Nice. And what did we pick this month? Well, this month we are doing Peter Milligan and Duncan Fagredo's Enigma. It is a wonderful book, and I'm glad it finally came around to the to the book of the month because we're going to dig in deep on this. I, Looking forward uh, to it. I, I grabbed the. Uh, I was able to snag the deluxe edition from the library across the street. Wow! It's like they delivered it to you almost. Pretty much. Close yeah. Enough. Yeah. So, if you would like to see what the hubbub is about on the Patreon, just go there, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Take a look around. But remember, there's a lot of stuff there that you're probably not going to be able to see. You'll get a taste 
but as far as you can smell the aroma but as far as biting into the meat that's going to be a little hidden just look around we love you do it take a peek yeah upskirt do some browsing mm-hmm. mm. all right well i have brought uh, more wine to the table nice what'd you get i didn't i'm finishing off the last two bottles of uh 19 crimes okay uh-huh. yeah okay. i have about two glasses i thought that's that's good because last episode i drank almost the whole bottle and um i was pretty silly at the end of the episode Mm-hmm. yeah i was you were being All very good though love, you, love silly vince you were being i don't because i say things that i probably will regret <laughs> listen it's truth serum yeah it is <laughs> well i i felt like celebrating tonight so i'm too i'm having some some grape Ooh, right i know it's it's a rare treat but i am drinking uh from ego bodegas uh, which is a uh, Spanish vintner, um, 2017 Goru Gold Red Blend. Uh, wine enthusiast says as follows: Ripe berry aromas are warm and oaky with a chocolatey backing. A thick, grabby palate is par for the course in Humia. While this is a blend of Monastrel, Cabernet Sauvignon, and Syrah, it tastes a lot like it smells: chocolatey and rich with effusive, creamy vanilla. A loaded and pulpy finish. Mm, I'd have to sample that. Delicious. It's absolutely delightful. Mm, yeah, but the chocolate's making me a little bit wary. Nah. No, it's just full bodied. It, it, it's, 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 no, I mean, cho- you're not, you're not drinking a Kit Kat. Yeah, no, it, no, it's just a finish. You yeah, know, but, it's but it's a, in there. Like if, if I gave you a glass of sperm infused wine and you couldn't taste the sperm, you're still drinking it. You know what I'm saying? But if you couldn't taste it, what would it matter? <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I'll remember I mean, that, I'm dude. Not, I'm not a big fan of sour cream, but I know they put it in some desserts when they're making cakes and whatnot. Yeah. Okay. I don't fuck with mayonnaise, but I know that they try to slide that in something. I love I, I, I have crab cake and it's in there, so. Love mayonnaise. I know. A lot of people do. Jason. Mayonnaise is a fascinating thing because it's just, it's two ingredients that you gen- that almost everybody does like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, part of it is 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 the uh, the aroma from it. I just, it, I, yeah, it's weird. It's weird, and then I know obviously it can if it separates. It's like well, you just have down to two ingredients on there. It, it's a weird thing, and it's you know, my, yeah, my no, thing I get it. You're not you're not alone. A lot of people are. I mean, Beth hates it. She can't stand up. Man is my girl. Uh, we're all drinking wine tonight. Then I'm glad I. Uh, <laughs> What, 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 what? I was, I was waiting for the follow-up, but you're just like... I know. We're like, you tell. <laughs> it's, no, because I was I, I originally had um, planned a cocktail, but I decided I'll hold off until the book of the month because I have something nice planned for that. But uh, this is uh, Jacob's Creek Double Barrel to go with uh, Shatterstar over there. Uh, Cabernet Sauvignon from 2018, aged in Irish whiskey barrels. Yeah, that's the best. You, you've, you've totally converted me. Can't have that. <laughs> well, you high five. It. It's you like, do. It's got that, oh, that, no, that, that, no. that alcoholic no, bite to it at the it, end. This, this does not. This does not. Well, then what's the point of it, then? It just makes it... It gives it it's, another invisible kick. Yeah, I mean, it's not as... There are, there are other... The vineyards that the, the the whiskey 
or the sherry or whatever the, the the rum whatever they're going to age it in it is more pronounced in this particular instance it isn't it there's it's it's weird it's not it's not like it's stronger than the, than your typical cab but it, there is you don't really you know that there's something else there another layer but it's not you're not getting punched with with a with a heavy spirit flavor mm-hmm. nice all right you guys came here to hear about comics and we will deliver so allegedly no well allegedly. maybe <laughs> what what do we have <laughs> gentlemen well if you don't mind, I'm going to start us off because well, there yeah, is a book that I read almost, no, I think a little more than two months ago, and I haven't had the chance to speak on it just the way the show has gone. I haven't wanted to give it short shrift, and then we've had a bunch of guests, which have been amazing. But um, And it is a book that, uh, as is often the case, uh, was – Highly endorsed by friend of the show and 11 O'Closker guest, uh, Mr. Brian Newbery. It was a book that absolutely, had I read it last year when it came out, would have been on my ballot. But, you know, rules are rules, and I hadn't yet read it, even though it came out in 2021. But I did make it a priority as one of the things that I wanted to make sure I got to early in 2022 and that is Carbon and Silicon by Matthew Beplay. Yeah. Um, you all, longtime listeners, know, uh, have heard us talk about Beplay before. Uh, we all loved and talked about at length Beautiful Death a few years ago. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, we've mentioned this book in our anticipation of it, as well as uh, many of us bought this book through a um, through a Kickstarter that uh, the form it came in was this beautiful hardcover and also Babelay's other book, Shangri-La, together in a, uh, in a in a single slipcase. It's gorgeous. That's the version I have. I'm looking at it now. So, I mean, first thing is uh, the packaging is amazing. Uh, this book is another magnetic book, a publisher that we have praised for uh, the last few years for putting out great archival material. Uh, it's an oversized hardcover with uh, really high-gloss finish, uh, it's got a, a, a wonderful uh, embedded ribbon. So, you know, this is top-notch stuff. This is this is like, you know, put on the coffee table and the, the normies that come over for Thanksgiving look at it and say, oh my, what is that? That's a comic book? Um, so what is it? Well, Matthew Babelay, for those that don't know, is uh, or don't remember us previously discussing him, is a French uh, bon dessinée creator. He writes and draws. Most of the time he writes and draws his own stuff. Um, and this book... Um, I mean, I had a strong sense given, uh, I already knew I was a big fan of his art style and, and had liked the other stuff he's done. I, I had strong suspicion I would enjoy this, but I had no idea that it was going to be as great as it was. And that's why I've been, uh, d- delaying the discussion just cause I wanted to make sure that I gave it its propers. Um, so it's called carbon and silicon because, uh, it's, it, those are the names of the, of the, of the two protagonists of the story. So, um, the premise is that, um, uh, basically now or shortly into the future, we're at a point where a technology company is, or has developed, uh, truly sentient AI, uh, in the form of, of these two robotic humanoid looking beings, um, 
and when they the book opens up with them basically coming to life to you know gaining gaining consciousness um and they take on the monikers carbon and silicon um at first they're stuck in a lab essentially and and uh being powered up and studied and fed with information and we were, and the book is as much about the the early part of the book is as much about the the uh, the scientists behind them and the creation of it and all that. And the premise is these these beings were created because in this version of the world, um, humanity is getting to the point where we have uh, an ever increasing aging population, and this company believes that uh, creating these AIs will help provide uh, older people with companionship and caretaking and. You know, basically, like you know, techno- technology solving you know the aging uh, uh, problem because, as we all know, there's lots of old folks that are uh, alone or or in nursing homes and their families never come to see them. So that's the solve here. It's like you know, we're basically not pets per se, but companions. Um, and as part of that, the uh, the powers that be, the the, the heads of the corporation, uh, decide to put an arbitrary life cycle on carbon and silicon. Of 15 years so you know they've got these basically incredible uh, almost miraculous creations these truly sentient feeling all-knowing beings that they bring to life and then they say okay well you have 15 years and it's because of forced obsolescence that the, the company wants to generate a profit for all their r&d and so they figure we'll we'll let them die out after 15 years so people have to get a, a new model um and that's really the premise, right? So it kind of sets up right at the beginning that this that there's this idea of 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 putting a value on life, and that and that it, it all life is essentially uh, disposable and uh, and fungible. Um, and then from there, the book just just is an explosion of ideas, and it's a, it's an incredible visual tapestry. The premise is that although carbon and silicon are essentially they're not identical by any means, but you know they're born together. You could say they're brother and sister, twins, what have you. But uh, they quickly take on uh, like a visual aesthetic that's different from one another. Um, Carbon takes on the look of a uh, of a Caucasian woman. Silicon takes on the look of a of a black man, and um, and 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 as they get upgraded and and they you know continue with their path of consciousness. They start getting brought out from the lab to the real world to experience more things, and basically, pretty early in the in the process, uh, they get very different ideas of what to do with themselves. So, Silicon uh, decides that uh, he wants to break free of this. He doesn't want to be a part of this. He wants to see the world in his own terms and explore uh, the Earth and humanity. And so he escapes. You know, he he basically goes on a walkabout, and. Uh, Carbon um, doesn't, at least perhaps maybe she she would she would have been in, in up up to it, but she doesn't manage to escape, and then she kind of accepts her lot in life a little bit more. Um, and so from there, Bablay, so we, we get that's kind of the setup, and then what Bablay does in a pretty masterful way is he chronicles the world over a three hundred year period through the eyes of Carbon and Silicon. So each chapter is a leap forward in time, sometimes fifteen years. Sometimes much more, sometimes much less. But in essence, each chapter is a big jump in time. And with each jump, you also see just diametrically different views of the world, different places, different settings. 
uh, essentially humanity is already at the beginning of the book on its way. Like we've, we've crested as a, as a, you know, as a species and, and, and over the 300 years, we basically see humanity crumble, society crumble, get reformed, um, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. And also humanity's relationship to technology, as well as its relationship to AI and these androids. And then the, the, the androids that come subsequent to carbon and silicon, Sometimes they're hated, sometimes they're loved, sometimes they're forgotten about. And it's just this fascinating thing. And and the other the other conceit that's wonderful that Babelay chose to do is because carbon and silicon end up having different paths, each chapter is effectively them meeting back up. So like they won't see each other for decades and then they'll come across each other again. Sometimes it's it's by design, like sometimes they agree to meet up. Other times it's random. Um, and it, it's just like it's so hard to encapsulate all the ideas that Babelay puts forth in this book, both visually and ideologically, because uh, he deals with race relations, interspecies, transhumanism, uh, war, the 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 you know the wealth gap, uh, environmental destruction, um, you know, bias, uh, spirituality, uh, the meaning of life, you know, whether incarnation, whether you can be reincarnated, what does it mean to be alive? Like all of these concepts he touches on. And you would think as you listen to this, like, well, that's a lot of ideas. It's a hodgepodge. I, I don't, that sounds messy. It's the magic of this is that Babley, he intertwines, he intertwines it all into this narrative of these two beings and their journeys. And we really see it through their lens and it makes it all make sense. It's like very, it's, it's, it's almost like a giant visual poem in a lot of ways. Um, I was blown away by it, as you could probably tell. I, I like, it's one of those books where, and, and I know that this was serialized and it was done years ago. I, I can't like, when I read something like this, I cannot fathom. And I don't want to turn this into like, I'm trying to be, I want to praise things, but I, I, I read this and I can't fathom some of the things that we let go by in 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 mainstream comics like because this book has so much beauty and expertise and detail and passion and creativity from a singular mind done with such like expertise on all levels it's like you read something like this and you wonder how are all comics not held to the standard like this should be a book that anyone that likes comics reads and adores and then wants more of it. And the great news is, Babelay's relatively prolific. I haven't read Shangri-La yet. Now, that actually came out a few years before this. So I, so I haven't, can't speak to that yet. And he's got a new a new book, at least new to the U.S., uh, Andrastia, which is coming out this year. So there's more Babelay to be had. But I have to tell you that this is easily one of the best science fiction, particularly from the lens of like socioeconomic, like the, the secular trends of humanity that I've ever read. In any form, prose comics uh any film i mean this is like perfect comics and it's one of those things where uh although you know i'm not much for one for rereading things i absolutely think i will reread this with relative frequency over the years because it was that good that's great i I think i have an answer or what i think is the answer to why aren't all comics held to that standard Mm -hmm. because uh a lot of the buying public don't want them. Not right. just that. I think it's all, I mean, we know this, I mean, from a business standpoint, it's, it's because listen, you got to keep 
publishing it so that the IP stays mm-hmm. out there. Sure. And it, well, so I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter that it doesn't matter if a Spider-Man story is great as long as there's a Spider-Man story out there that they can say that they they got that but, covered. Yeah, right. So no, but you're absolutely right. Yes, I mean, we which is why I I I know how you guys are feeling on it these days, but it's also why I kind of just enjoy the little things that I, I'm not I'm not lying wide with anybody. I just I I find the characters or the writers or, or the the ideas that, that i'm into and that's what i stick with and that's what brings me joy but it's yeah it you this isn't it feels like it's been going in that direction for a while now where we yeah. have and I, I mean we three of us specifically but yes i mean we know people on the slack we know our the people who listen to us we know what they've been kind of gyrating, gravitating towards and yeah it, there's there there is a lot more people that I'm aware of that are into the the OGNs, the one-offs, the the something special, the translated books that finally make it to the states because it is it may have been you know something that came out in 2011, but it just made it here in the past year and it blew us away because it's just it is different, it's unique, it's it's gorgeous to look at. It's a story that is approached in a way that you know we haven't seen before we know we're not going to get something like this in an incredible hulk or an avengers book so it's yeah and and, and that's the thing I, I i don't mean to turn like i didn't want this to i don't want to besmirch those things because the truth is if you switch mediums i mean sometimes i'm in the mood to watch drive my car right and which is a, yeah a, an oscar-nominated film that's in japanese and i'm blown away by that other times i want to watch always sunny in philadelphia and laugh my ass off right right and 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 sometimes i want to watch the regular show like so so i'm not suggesting they they all serve their purpose so i'm I'm not trying i didn't want to turn this into a treatise against like superhero comics in fact if i have time tonight i have a superhero comic i want to praise but but um i'm just saying that like it's the it's more of a qualitative thing right like like when when things are any comics whether it be capes like when it's done well i love it it's just that I guess maybe because we read so many of them, the, inherently the quality is going to be more variable. Whereas I guess when we're getting these beautiful archival uh, European imports, almost by definition, it's being cherry picked by the best of the best. And I'm sure that's a big part of it. But I will say before we move on from this, because I didn't make the point, and I think it's important. The cool thing about carbon and silicon is not only are they visually different, but they're the, like how they choose to pursue their their existence over the 300 years is just diametrically different like silicon i told you he runs away but he spends most of the next 300 years in relative isolation traversing the earth and at some point i don't have the the notes my notes handy but at some point he mentions to carbon that he still had like 11 percent of the earth's surface still to explore so he had like been on the ocean floor he had been to the polar ice caps just just in solitude, just examining the world and beauty and nature, uh, disconnected from it all, like kind of from from above, you know, just just processing it. Whereas, whereas carbon was was throughout the journey is always trying to find connectivity, connectivity to humans, connectivity like on not the internet, but like in their version of the internet where everything is kind of like you know virtual and AR VR, connectivity to other artificial beings. She becomes a bit of a messianic character. F- towards towards the middle of the book where where she's almost like the ringleader of 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 the machines and um it is it, so it's interesting in, in it like if you kind of bring it break it back to, to human to human reaction is this nation notion of like how does one you know how does one pursue and perceive life do you do you live it you know or do you do you, or do you study it right and it's like is this experiential or or the- theoretical and i just like i said i just think that blade just clearly he 
I almost feel like he had this master's thesis about human psychology and then decided to make it into a post-cyberpunk, you know, toned comic book and pretty masterful stuff. I, I do hope uh, people, by the way, I know I mentioned it was a Kickstarter, but you can, this is readily available. Uh, you can get it on Amazon, you can get it on, you know, your all of your various and sundry uh, collected edition sites. Uh, but uh, so even if you didn't, if you didn't do it in the form that I, I did through the Kickstarter, you can, you can get this uh, quite easily. It's in stock right now. And so, it's only like 30 bucks too, I think. So Carbon is the one that is the uh, social? Yeah, car- Carbon's the one that's always trying to be connected. To, well, that's to, perfect to because humanity's carbon-based. Definitely. No, I'm sure. Uh, right, absolutely. Really well like well designed. Even the names kind of fit their, their journeys, which is Right, that's out. great. Yeah. That's great. Well, I have the antithesis of that book. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah. Uh, you said that there are many many things going on in that book um this book is decidedly one note well let's make it one chord uh but it's one chord played by thirteen thousand pipe organs okay it's big it's bombastic but it only does one thing it's from scout comics it was it's a one-man show created written illustrated and produced by Marco Fantanilli. It's called King Jira, Hungry Like a Monster. And what is it about? Well, it's right there in the title. It's a, a, a kaiju, a giant whopping beast with a crown and tights with a belt buckle on it that has a, has a K. It's a massive beast ripping apart the city. And he's got one thing on his mind. He's hungry. That's what this book is about. It's completely wordless. Um, Characters speak to each other in uh, pictograms. Uh, The military, uh, well, this this one uh, representation of the military, plans to use King Jira's hunger against him. And it backfires. But that is, in essence, what this book is. It is a giant, rampaging monster looking for food, tearing apart the city. You may think, okay, that's cool. But do the illustrations live up to the uh, magnitude of the premise? And yeah, they do. This book, if if it wasn't illustrated so well, it would almost be... um, an average book, but it's the uh, Fontanelli's illustrations push this and typography. Oh my god, and color work. Well, it's all the, the complete package. Uh, the The visuals push this book into the stratosphere. It is amazing, right? We all do the chef's kiss. This is I'm kissing. I'm sticking my tongue down the chef's throat because <laughs> it, this book is absolutely astounding. The cross hatching, the stipple. Uh, the color work is just and uh, gorgeous, and Fontanelli picks colors that go extremely well together, but they're not your average colors, right? He uses a really, really hot uh, yellow and red for some scenes where uh, King Jira is like pissed off and he's doing the old scream, but then he sneaks some turquoise and cyan into the background to make the red and yellow pop even more like it's yeah that that could be conceived as color theory 101 but when used to this any to this effect he leaves a lot of breathing room for the color 
uh, his his white spaces are they look like they were applied with a brush, like the way he inks uh, and the marks he makes are textured in a way where the the uh, lighter areas look like they were laid down first. It's crazy. Uh, like I said, lots of cool typography work, beautiful giant panels. Like this was just a love letter to everything about um, kaiju I kind of dig. Big monster just wailing the shit out of a, of a city. I think this book was astounding, and it's a one-shot. What's it called again? King Jira, Hungry Like a Monster. Who doesn't love a, a, a giant lizard thing with a crown on and a belt buckle? He's got a freaking belt buckle. He's he's walking around the city looking for something to eat, and he sees uh, a pizza place, and they have a giant representation of a slice of pizza on their on their building so he's like oh cool he goes over takes a bite out of he's like the fuck this isn't food and he gets pissed off and then gets taunted by the military and gets even more mad and leaves craters in his wake and it's just great it's amazing the the paper is textured like a a creamy kind of um it's darker than eggshell so it's like a tannish creamy tan to make it look weathered Right, but they don't do the the texturing digitally. Oh yeah, it's the the coloring and the and the finishes look a lot like Fifa to me. Oh yeah, yeah, it's in the same ballpark. Yeah, yep. this is yeah, it's, it's Michelle's approach to comics. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, uh, the design is as integral to this book as the illustration, the, as is the typography, as is the coloring. Everything's locked in. You can't remove one aspect of this book without it all falling apart. And it is masterfully done. So if you got time, check it out. King Jira, Hungry Like a Monster, four ninety nine from Scout Comics. You will not, I tell you, you will not be sorry. It is just perfect. Should have been a hardcover, but I wasn't the publisher. <laughs> I see the deal is I have a stack that I want to cross off my list. Yeah. So I'm just gonna do bang, real fast ones. Yeah, quick hits. Yeah. Love it. Play it around. Is this readily available? It came out uh, a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah, like three weeks three ago, months? I think. Yeah. yeah, it's hefty. I remember too. seeing it on the Slack. Printed on really good paper. It, it, do you know if it's available digi? Oh yes, Scout will sell it to you digitally. Yeah, on uh, Comicsology. All right. Well, yeah, I guess. But uh, the thing I love about Scout Comics, especially the the Black Caravan books, is they must hate self cover as much as I do. Because their cover stock is super thick on the Black Caravan books. And I got one right here because they I got are, one. Yeah. I got one coming up. Uh, it's it's almost like an eighty pound stock. That's crazy, or like even, maybe even a hundred. Like it is really stiff. And I know I'm getting geeky with the 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 back room stuff, but I mean when you can do that with the cover and it doesn't leave a, a finger ding in it or it doesn't bend or, or that's i think books we all i went into this before self-cover is just lazy to me it's a way the publisher can save money great right. but if you have pride in your product and you want to produce a superior publication differentiate the cover from the guts like that's just it's been done that way since the beginning of time and I know, I know you can argue and you could say, well, yeah, racism existed since... <laughs> I know. It, it doesn't make it right because the, the trend is perpetuated for so long or persisted. 
But there's just something nice about spending five bucks on something and feeling a nice textured heavy stock cover with beautiful paper interiors. Like it's not, you can't see through the paper if you hold it up to the light. Like this is, they put a lot of money into the production of their books. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I appreciate it when a publisher says, this is what we made. It, it's it's, a, it's a, an object, it's an art object in itself because we invested the energy and the time to make sure that the materials used in the production of this 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 art object were carefully selected. That it's not just run off for all the jamokes to just read it and that's done. Those days are over. So yeah, I I'm I went down a weird road, but King Jira, you're going to hear about another scout book before I'm done. Love it. Um well, the door was opened, and superhero books were, were brought up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to talk about a superhero book that seems to have been made just for me. Um, as soon as it was announced, I was giddy. Uh, anybody who like knows P. Diddy? me. Like P. Diddy. And it made me Liddy. The... Uh, there's a there's a certain DC title that I loved growing up, and anytime I see this title resurrected, uh, I I've got to check it out. This time they're doing it right because World's Finest is brought to you by Mark Wade, Dan Mora, and uh, Tamara Von Dillon, and it is just uh, my turn for a chef's kiss. I mean, it, it right off the bat. It's a big deal because all the information you need is inside the front cover. They're not wasting their time with it with a house ad. It, it's like here's larger than life. Here's a popcorn blockbuster type movie intro, uh, the title, who they are, who we are, and we hit the ground running. And um, we start off in the not too distant past in Metropolis, where um, Poison Ivy is in town. And is uh, wreaking a little bit of havoc. So um, it isn't Superman who comes swooping in to stop her, but none other than Batman and Robin. And this Batman is, I mean, he's got the yellow oval on the chest and it's mostly blue and gray and not black and dark gray. And it's just amazing and then superman does eventually show up and he's got the big chest emblem and and it's outlined in black i mean mora is really just speaking to me but the art style is you you know mora's work so you know what to expect here there's there's a little bit of uh garcia lopez there's a little bit of um when people are smiling i i see some some chris sprouse i'm just it's it's more it's definitely more but but there are little things that i'm Looking at as I'm, I'm examining pretty much each panel, um, there are little things that that uh, jump out at me. There's, there's, it's not it, it, the figure work. The outline of it could look like uh, Jim Lee in some spots, but we're not getting the heavy rendered, um, heavy lined Jim Lee with Scott Williams. It's just it's it's still more being more of. But um, not only is Poison Ivy involved and of course she's one of batman's rogues but uh someone else 
decides to even the score and Metallo has joined the party. And uh, so while um, he's taking care of Superman, uh, Ivy then goes back to take care of the dynamic duo. Um, the, the quips, especially Robin, Robin's on point here. Um, of course, Wade knows the characters, knows what he's doing. But while uh, Metallo has Superman weakened, he pulls out a syringe containing a radioactive cocktail, which is a blend of red kryptonite. I mean, there are just, um, and Superman screams and, and, and the sound is unlike anything anybody's heard. Um, but Robin, um, goes after Metallo and he, uh, takes him out. Uh, he, he gets to the heart and, and is able to take Metallo out of the fight for a bit. But, um, but meanwhile, Superman is reacting to everything going through his, um, his system at, at every sort of kryptonite that's going to just affect him in any way, shape or form. Uh, but there's a little, a little flashback where, uh, we get to know a little bit about this Superman and Batman's relationship. Um, and how years prior to what's going on in Metropolis, um, in Gotham, Robin is, uh, captured by penguin uh and instead of um batman coming in to save the boy wonder it's it's uh, superman which really thwarted uh oswald's plans so the um the day is saved there and uh of course the flashback is just designed to establish how our uh, how our heroes get along and, and and the kind of relationship they have, but uh, when we fl- get back to the present day of the story, um, I mean, Superman is is screaming. He's got uh, there's his X ray vision is is going insane. He's burning up. He's just he's and he can't. He's aware of what's going on. He can't really stop it. So when he's thrashing about, when he's destroying things, he's it, it's just it's a reaction. It's not like he's going crazy. It's just he can't really uh, control himself. And um, and so Jimmy Jimmy Olsen shows up, and he's trying to like good guy that he is. He can't really talk Superman out of this predicament. Uh, and then all of a sudden he, he literally becomes, or he becomes the literal man of steel because now his, his, his body just transmogrifies and, and he's basically a statue. Um, but as soon as, of course, cause it's witty, as soon as, uh, Jimmy Olsen says, he's literally a man of steel. Someone off panel screams, Hey, that's my gig. And in come, uh, the Doom Patrol. And so Robot Man shows up, and um, Elastic Woman is here, and uh, we have basically everybody's here. Negative Man's here, so 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 everybody is is because um, the call was made out to Niles Calder because if anybody could kind of fix this situation, uh, Batman figured the Chief could. So um, the at this point now, Superman has uh, emerged from his steel cocoon, and now he's hallucinating. And everybody who is attacking him, he thinks, is Zod 
or Ursa or Nan, and, and he's fighting back. And uh, at least, you know, Robot Man and and to a degree, Negative Man, they can kind of hold their own more than Batman could when Superman is uh, on the way to thrash you. Um, and then even he thinks he sees Luthor, and, and that's... And that's when Batman shows. He thinks Batman is Luthor, so he starts yoking Batman up. And um, Batman is talking sense to him. Um, the uh, now Cal's heat vision is going haywire. It's basically it looks like it's about to burn through his hands because he puts his hands up to cover his face because he doesn't want to hurt anybody. He um, he's he's just making a mess of um, of downtown Metropolis. Finally, um, when uh, Batman has Negative Man kind of uh, save the day, I won't spoil how, but they are able to subdue Superman, more or less. They get him back to um, Calder Mansion in Midway City, and um, and we um, the issue ends with the uh, with Niles ready to um, operate more or less on Superman. And it looks like all of his tools are either made out of or uh, dipped in kryptonite. So um, the next issue is uh, is a surgery on Superman. But this was an absolute... I mean, for me, World's Finest Issues, World's Finest Comics should be a little bit longer they, they 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 should be close to double sized issues it's fine for a first issue really well my appetite this was a um like i said this looks amazing of course but uh i i there are very few people i think who can do this team these characters in, in this setting as well as wade uh it reminds me of the brave and the bold reboot that he did with uh perez that uh came out years ago before new 52 before Loved uh, it. final crisis. And that was a lot of fun because that mm-hmm. at least it was, it wasn't necessarily a Batman centric brave in the bull team up book, but you did have two teams or two characters team up and they would. And, and the first handful of issues were, it was one long arc and you know, one, one hero would leave and then one would stay and then someone else would join him and it was just it, they had a lot of fun with it I, I, like jason i love that book this is um this would just this fits right in with that in my eyes if um if i i have those issues i'll get these issues if i could get hardcovers of both series when all said and done i'd love to but uh though no, this this was absolutely perfect if it's one of those things where um this is this is the kind of book that uh is just I would love to see more of and uh it is it, it's its own thing it's not stuck in or connected to current DC continuity whatever uh, whatever's going on in the main line it's not going to touch this um they're going to just do their own thing they're, they're these are versions of these characters that did exist at some point and uh and you know we, we didn't even get into any of uh really uh, as far as you know we didn't get into any of the silly stuff of superman is going to impersonate bruce wayne and bruce wayne Batman's going to impersonate clark kent and and we're gonna foil some tweedledum and tweedledee like villain and it, it, it's just the 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 threat was serious 
and and you know you start you're giving me a first issue with superman going absolutely haywire um yeah i i absolutely loved everything about the only my only regret my only complaint is that uh i wish we had more pages in it because i did not want it to end you missed the boat on that one you could have you should have said this is something i want to see more uh you, should, you, you, you said more of. By the you, way, how fast is Dan Mora? Uh, he must be incredibly fast. Dude is like, like most artists, if you these days do eight to maybe ten issues a year if, if they're Maybe. pushing it. Like, yeah. I feel like Mora does like twenty interiors a year. Well, he does once, once in, f- yeah, once in future, and 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 he was yeah. Doing... I figure he's got to have enough uh, lead time to to get some of these done. But even then, even then, once the yeah. issue's out, I mean, you're working on the next one. Yeah, he must be the dude. Must not take vacation. I don't think we're ever going to see right, him at right. a con because he's, he's shackled to the drafting table. He's, he's not at Disney World. <laughs> he's not at Disney World. <laughs> there you go. Actually, you know what? I don't even think. Uh, Hold on. Yeah, there isn't even... There is one... There's two ads. One on the back cover for the Batman movie and inside back cover for the Superman and Lois CW show. But there are no... I just noticed that there are no ads in this issue. So this is just cover to cover, mm-hmm. nonstop action, and it's absolutely worth it. If you didn't get it, absolutely pick it up. I, I heartily recommend that I cannot wait for the second issue. Mark Wade's birthday this week. Happy birthday, Mark. Thank you yeah. for this. Nice. Let me do another quick hit before you go, Jason. He didn't quit it, Vince. All right. Talked about this book in episode, I got it right here, 757. Mm-hmm. I talked about the first issue of this. So uh, this is the three that round out, uh, let's call it season one, because the story doesn't end, which is okay by me because I want more of it. It's printed uh, from the Black Caravan imprint of Scout Comics. You got Rich Woodall on Words and Colors. Scoutorama. Yeah. Mark Welser on Pencils and Inks. Emilio Estevez and Trevor Rubin are the color assistants. And, uh, I assume not the same Emilio Estevez that uh, I would, was coached the Mighty Ducks. Yeah, I would guess not. Okay. It's, it's called Gods of Brutality. And if you will remember, the premise is very simple. Uh, Nick Dillon is a rock and roller in the uh, Glenn Danzig mode, and he gets sent to hell. He has to pay for the bargain he made, gets sent to hell. While he's in hell, Odin and Zeus uh, have had it with their kids. Thor and Hercules, they don't get along. Uh, They just wreck the realms fighting bickering throwing each other around and so odin and zeus for once in their uh endless existences decide to be real fathers and they make they make thor and hercules watch over nick got to protect this this kid it's your job you got to babysit and that's essentially what the book is about but the joy is thor and hercules just ripping each other apart and this is a mature book so the language flows um the there's a lot of dick humor in here um a lot of violence and remember 
Woodall and Welser did some work on Savage Dragon, and their work is very much cast in the Kirby-infused Eric Larson mold. So you can expect, if you're a fan of Savage Dragon uh, and the type of stuff that Eric does in that book, this book is just going to seem like uh, Old Home Week because that's exactly what this is. It's like a a hard-rocking dude in the role of um, Savage Dragon and the antics that surround them. You have Russian were-ants. The Russian mob is in control of all of the... uh, the, the, the strip joints in hell and uh, they get wind that uh, shit's going down they're ordered to go take out you know Thor and Hercules and so they're transforming Russian uh, ant men <laughs> there there's a giant um, disgusting uh, I, I guess you could call her a god who eats uh, humans and shits out servants and <laughs> she's hoisted above this giant disgusting catch basin and while she's eating she just keeps plopping out uh, servants from her nether regions <laughs> it's, so, it's so stupid um, but like I said the, the real joy is is Thor and Hercules, calling, you know, you're a dick sucker, you're a pussy man. They, they're just beating the shit out of each other. And it's Nick, who never really took responsibility for anything in his life uh, up to this point, trying to be the uh, the intermediary between these two uber-powerful gods who want nothing more than to just rip each other's throats out and piss down their necks. So it's a lot of fun. Again, um, if, if you're looking for uh, Socrates or deeper meaning here there there is none it's just a whole lot of fun and that i was in the mood for that this week so i got up to uh, speed on this and uh, like i said it's continued there will be a season two and i'll be there for it i am loving what scout is doing you are loving the scout i was actually considering subscribing they produce a yeah, that book, the box. scout scout box or whatever they call it. You right, get right. you get all of the issues produced that month up to twelve, for I think it's like thirty three bucks, um, with like maybe nine dollars shipping per box. So I mean that's not a whole lot. I mean you're, you're actually you're paying close to retail for the books, but still you're guaranteed everything they publish when they publish it for the month. So great, uh, I'm looking into that. That's awesome, and, and not to uh, confuse Scout with Vault, which I did uh, back in the day, but yeah. you talking about Scout did remind me that we should send some propers out, especially that we are uh, fans of, of Nathan Gooden, oh, yeah. uh, who is the art director and cousin of the editor-in-chief, because uh, uh, Vault received mad money from big-time institutional investors this past week to... Uh, to give their company a uh, a big push, so like considering that uh, Nathan told us they started this company in uh, his cousin's garage, they've come a long way because they got uh, an undisclosed amount, but we're talking millions for sure from Jeff Ubin and uh, Rick Matros, who are big time entrepreneur VCs, as well as uh, Black Squirrel Partners, which is the uh, venture arm of uh, Metallica, believe it or not, but they're actually quite legit, uh, and a bunch of other investors. So pretty cool. 
pretty cool. Yep. And and just to reiterate, um, if if you're not reading White Ash from Scout, you're missing out on one of the best books on mm. the stands. No, there is. Why, why are you saying? Mm? No, I'm saying because I I had forgotten about White Ash, uh, so I'm not. I'm I'm guilty. I'm guilty of that. Yeah, Charlie Stickney, Connor Hughes, um, Finn Cram on on colors. White Ash is legit. It is up there with some of the best fantasy um, stories I've I've read, and the art's just impeccable. It's great. Uh, again, I, I it took me a while to to uh, get into Scout uh, and Vault. But I like both of those companies a lot. I I I've seemed to have clicked with a, a good number of their uh, titles, so it's a plus. In my book, yeah, you can't have enough. Can't have enough good comics. Well, I think uh, we're going to upend things at this point, and I'm going to take the crown from Vince as the uh, manga guy on the show. I doubt it, but you could try. Because uh, I got some manga to talk about. Woohoo! Oh, you're not uh, going to talk about Orochi. I am going to talk about Orochi. All right, but don't spoil it because I didn't get oh, one yet. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. Um, Kazuo Umez or uh, Umezu, it's weird. On the uh, both this and Drifting Classroom from Viz, right. his name is written as Kazuo, with last name Umez, U M E Z Z. Yep. But if you read up on him, his name is Kazuo Umezu, yep. U-M-E-Z-U. So I don't know why that, I don't know what the, why the change, like what's the point of it, but so I guess he goes by both, not sure. But um, I talked about him back in October because we were doing a lot of horror comics and obviously uh, we're big fans of Junji Ito and uh, talk about all of the stuff that makes its way here to the States from Ito. And uh, when I was doing some research about the best horror comics of all time, uh, Umez's Drifting Classroom was on pretty much every list. And I was like, I got to check this out. So I read that first volume. There's many, many Tunkuban of that, but I read the first one and talked about it at the time. So when his name popped up again in previews a few months later for this, Orochi, I thought, oh, well, this is dope because it was pitched as a serialized uh, horror anthology, which is very much in line in form and function with uh, much of what we get from Ito. Uh, now, so I, I, and it sounds like Vince did as well, uh, ordered the volume one of Orochi, which is R, uh, O-R-O-C-H-I. Uh, and, uh, and I read it this week. I will, in deference to Vince, not spoil it. I will say a few things about it. One, um, this is old school stuff. Um, Orochi was serialized uh, in Japan back in the early 70s. Uh, right around the time that uh, like I was born. So this is not new comics. This is like old classic stuff that they're bringing here finally. Although I will say, given its its style and its uh, its its themes, it's it's timeless. I mean, there's no like it, it, you you would you wouldn't have any if I told you this came out last month was written last month you you wouldn't question it. Um, so it's it was I enjoyed it. It was not exactly what I expected though um, because. It is a 310-page uh, hardcover, um, and it is an anthology, but it is not exactly what I expected because it's an anthology with two stories. So it's 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 you know it's two very very long horror stories, which you know again by the definition of anthology certainly they're not like it it is in fact an anthology, but 
But I was thinking it would be more like the Edo stuff, or when you think of an anthology where you're getting a bunch of, of, of different stories. Some may be longer than others, but you're getting a bunch of different stories. This here, you're getting two. And I, I think that's an important distinction, at least for me, because there are two stories in this book, uh, one called Sisters and one called Bones. Um, Sisters is roughly 90, 95 pages, the first story. Bones is the next 200. Uh, I adored sisters i thought it was creepy and freaky and had a, a a excellently done uh twist you know very twilight zone-esque twist black you know black-hearted twist at the end that i thought was terrific made it all the all the better in terms of a horror story um bones on the other hand i thought was a bit more conventional uh in, in its approach and it was i thought a bit long winded given that i kind of picked up on the conceit of it quickly and then we had another hundred pages or so so you know it's not uncommon when we talk about anthologies to say that some stories grabbed us more than others and that's generally fine but for me it's like if i'm getting 10 stories in an anthology and one or two are amazing and one or two don't float my boat and then the others are just okay that feels like it's worth it this where two-thirds of a 300 page book are a little bit you know, non-plussing, and then the other 100 pages are awesome. I, I, I'm i not quite sure that the value proposition lived up to it for me. Um, I still would recommend it because I do think that, first of all, Umez is a very important figure in the history of manga. Second of all, his his artistic, his arti- you know, his artistic renderings are terrific, haunting and uh, and in and of itself visually worth looking at. But But I will say that um, I do wish we got maybe a third story, or maybe it was it was a hundred hundred pages each, and it did feel a little out of balance for me. And of course, your mileage may vary. For some, maybe maybe Bones is the story you really gravitate toward. I don't know. So I'll give this book like a, a solid B in the sense that that it, it was, you know, one out of two. I guess ain't bad, but it was really like one out of three in terms of page count. So yeah, so so you know, not the most resounding endorsement, but I I I, I do think it as as always, Viz does a great job of the packaging. It's a beautiful hardcover hardcover with with uh, this this just bright red metallic inlay on the words, and it, it so it's 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 definitely something that'll look great on your shelf. Uh, and, and and the hundred page story that we get with Sisters is almost by itself worth the cover price. Cool beans, nice, yeah. It's coming in my next box. You hope. Yes. Oh. Yes. So um, I'll do a little follow-up, not long uh, after I've read it, because you don't want to inundate them with a lot of the same stuff. I'm I'm eagerly looking. I'm, I'm eagerly, eagerly awaiting it, let's just say. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I read it back in the day. I don't know where, uh, because I can't locate whatever it was uh, that that printed it so i don't know where my copies are but i did read it i don't remember it which is good yeah so it it did say that they this was so this this story i think these stories came out in 1969 1970 and then and and out of uh, a defunct publisher brought them to the u.s in six volumes in first in the 70s and then shogakugan brought them over in four volumes in 2005 so maybe that's the version that you mm. you got and and then viz obviously has the license now 
and uh, is bringing them over here. This is going to do it right. Oh, yeah. They always do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hey, that was good. We all read Gardner? I haven't yet, no. You didn't read I Gardner? Did. No, I have it. I haven't read it yet, no. Oh, okay. Well, I want to get it off my stack, so... Well, that's not really entirely true. I, I, I read a portion of Gardner, and then we had some off-air conversations about it that yes. made me... I, I, go ahead, you go ahead. Okay. Matt Emmons, Bernard Bryce, Gardner. It was a Kickstarter. We all backed it. Uh, and and you know what? And, and before we get into it, we did. Why did we feel the need to back it? Uh, because of Dagger Dagger. That's partly, one partly. Yeah, because, yeah. That that is that is a reason why we we enjoyed his short in Dagger Dagger. We figured, all right. Then I mean, I, for me, I was like, yeah, no, it, I'll I'm I'm down to give a, a long form story from him a try. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and which is why I backed it, and and I, you know, no regrets, not a single letter, but it no is regret. one of those things where it's it's, uh, I well, we're gonna get into it. Go ahead, Vince. Sorry. Briefly, yeah, um, it's a fairly long piece of work. It's over two hundred pages, uh, but the the hardcover is beautifully produced. You got a ribbon bookmark. Oh yeah, um, uh, cloth. Uh, binding on, on a cloth covering on the end uh, it's it's uh, embossed with the lettering it's really nice the papers is heavy stock uh, I, I love the art I think the art's wonderful and I was talking to Dap uh, don't remember when but to my eyes uh, Matt's art is in the same uh, camp as Kevin Eastman that there's there's something grotesque about it, uh, not in an off-putting way, just that the the lead character here is a uh, uh, female, and she's not in t- she's not attractive. Um, <laughs> not she wasn't made to be uh, a xenoscope heroine, right? Uh, she she has a real world body with a real world face, and 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 it's occasionally. Uh, represented in a semi-grotesque manner as is the rest of the work robots whatever the the line that that emmons uses is is like i said it it makes me it makes me feel like early kevin eastman that's a good thing as far as i'm concerned the 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 part where the book fell short was i thought that a lot of the character motivations just suddenly changed like on a dime, um, you left me for dead. I hate your guts. Oh, now you're my friend. You know, like it just seems like there were things manipulated in the story to get where they had to go, instead of being logical and uh, what someone would do with experience up until that point with other characters in the narrative. You know what I mean? It just seems like. Things were shoehorned into the story just to make it work. I, I, I didn't have a bad experience with it. I, I, I actually enjoyed it. But there are some things that were just like, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense that this character would do that. That's all I'm saying. But I, I liked it. I, I think visually it's a stunner. Other than, you know, but the, my problems were with the, the mechanics of the narrative a little bit. 
Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I mean, it's 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 sci-fi story. That's that's um, I'm there for that. Uh, the whole um, whether or not you can trust machinery and uh, alter your motives. Uh, I thought that um, I thought that that played out well enough. There's a uh, a plague that uh, you, you got to watch out for as well, and it was it, there, there's a bit of a mystery as far as that is concerned, and and uh, who who is affected by it, things like that, which I thought was pretty neat. There's, there's a little bit of a twist, but um, I did I, I thought that um, yeah, it, basically I just echo everything you already said. The presentations are great. Yeah, the, design's um, cool. Uh, yeah, I like I like all the robots are great. There's a little, um, you know, you get a little bit of a. Um, there's there's a story called uh, Preserves. Uh, yes, Preserves by Matt. That uh, it was made in early 2018. He was a few pages into the first chapter of Gardner, so he he uh, he worked on this little short story, and it's um, he gives a little bit of uh, backstory to one of the characters in the um, in the main story, uh, which also. Kind of um, that there was a sacrifice involved with that, but yeah, th- there were moments where um, they went in a different direction than I expected, and and not because necessarily because it was just a twist of a uh, of a story, but because like Vince said, there were just there were things just like well, you didn't you weren't behaving, you weren't acting that way two pages back with the conversation you just had with that guy, and now um, we're here and and it was it, it that was a little jolting or, or jarring but it was a uh but overall i mean we still got to the end and uh, it's there there are certain there are some stories where uh i like the open-ended aspect of it where you can just you know assume or hope that uh everything is going to be better from this point forward or you just don't know what the uh there's some writers who do that because they just they don't want to finish it or they you know they don't want to uh they've said everything they want to say they don't know what to do with the characters and various reasons why 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 a story might just be open-ended like that but there's um it in this particular case it it was kind of fitting it was i mean Lars is is the main character, and what she does. Um, you know, I there are things she does at the end of the story that that makes sense and that are fitting. And then you know the last panel is is a little weird because, like Finn said, you know it's it's they they these these people were trying to kill somebody earlier, and and now we're all kumbayaing off into the sunset. But um, they have their motivations that may not have been extremely explicitly clear to us as we were reading it um but i think the gist is there you can kind of fill in the lines it it it's a solid effort um i i don't know if uh the story may have the page count made the story get away from matt or it it, it it's already long enough it could have used a few more pages to maybe tighten it i don't know uh but it's um it is it did take me a minute to get my feel for this world and, and the characters. And, and once I got a few pages into it, um, the things started clicking and I'm able to, you were able to kind of get through it pretty quickly. But um, yeah, it's, it's a chatty book 
there, there's there's not a ton of action, but um, you know, the, 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 this is a I don't want to say it's a weird world, but it is. It, it it's just a it's a barren. It it it's it's a world that you know you're not you're really not going to want to be around it. But yeah, you know, I I I was really the part that really kind of. Um, surprised me in a good way was uh was the twist with 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 one of the characters and their motivations and um i think my favorite character was probably bug uh, agreed yeah yeah now cool. there is a uh a a, a a stunning dust jacket back cover endorsement well it had an end no i mean <laughs> I, your price on I, I, I think the pluses are um there there are very cool uh very compelling concepts being thrown around in it mm-hmm. the 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 world is is immersive i think the design is of the robots and just just the whole environment is was excellent i, I just a little have a little tweak couple tweaks with the story then you know uh and not an unenjoyable experience on Unlo- luck no go ahead i i i would like to think that uh i i i'd like in in Whatever Matt does next, or as as Matt continues to tell stories, that in a couple of years, you know, maybe we see whatever Matt does next, and it's like, this is what I would have expected. This is what I would have liked to have seen in Guard. I just I want to see some progress. I want to see Matt's growth and and look on this to say, you know, we remember when. But I'm I'm optimistic that the stories in the future will will be stronger, and we'll, we're we're going to go up from here. Right. Right. Um, I'm going to make this real quick because I just want to get this off my list. But um, Jason was right. I should get a t-shirt with that emblazoned on it. Um, This book was on a bunch of best of lists last year. And I was a little bit ticked that I didn't get to read it in time for the Mm -hmm. 11 o'clock Oscars. But it's all good because I wouldn't have put it on any of my, my, my categories anyway. Um, it's Lure by Lane Milburn, published by Fantagraphics. Uh, I, I, well, I can say this. I really like the visuals. I think. Oh yeah, for sure. Visuals strong, are strong great. Visual, yeah. The, the, uh, the, the planet Lure is, is fascinating. Uh, that's the only thing about this book yeah. that's fascinating. Um, I, I'm, I'm a person that doesn't have to find good it's like an art deco aesthetic to the art which is which is memorable too which is neat like like a ball house kind of feel like it like i, I agree with you. the visuals definitely st- stayed with me much more than the story did yeah uh like, like i said i don't need a character or characters in anything i read that that i can uh understand on a on a deep level um or that i uh, uh, with with uh, with which i'm compassionate or or concerned, like it, I'll read uh, anything about a totally worthless, despicable piece of shit. If it's if I find something in the work that's compelling enough to to persist, to make me keep reading, I I, I just all of the characters in this book, I just can't understand them. I their motivations are are strange and self centered and odd. Uh, I, this was a book that's not written for my age bracket. Like I don't know what drives these characters. 
and it's presented on the page. It's just that I can't come, I can't meet these characters on on an even keel or or, or the same platform. I just I don't understand them. That's basically it. it I thought I thought the story was odd and disjointed, and it ends in a really strange way that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense uh, in light of what came before. It's just, um, yeah, it's it was a whiff for me. Total. Let's just focus on the Jason was right part. Yeah, well, you were right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I, and I hate to disparage a book from Fantagraphics, but let's be honest, not everything's going to click. No, that's right. This one definitely did not. So I'm done with it. The, the sure sign that I didn't enjoy a book was when I'm finished with it, because uh, I don't like to part with paper. I'll close the cover and I'll be like, yeah, well, that's going to a patron. Like, I don't, I'm not even going to reserve shelf space for this. I put it in a care package recently. Yeah. So but, and that's not to show, say... Don't, please don't be insulted by that. Right, I, but that's I, I not... Hope it, it was on many best of lists, so I'm, I'm hoping whoever yeah. receives it, it connects with you more than it, it did with me. Right, yeah, I, I don't get that at all. I don't understand it. It's just... It's, it's an odd duck. Sure, sure, agreed. Yeah. So they take it away. Uh, you have something to app, or are you... Uh, what are you... Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, no, this is kind of a quick hit. Magnetic aroma over here. We've got. Oh, um, shit. This is this is an oldie. This is one of Wrong those things that would have been a uh, part of the whole read the room. But this was. Um, I'm attracted to you right now. I get it. I bet it. Uh, this was. Uh, this arrived in my home uh, back in 2020, but it was originally published in 2011 uh this is called pistuvi it mm-hmm. is by um merwan and gatinol g-a-t-i-g-n-o-l um it's about a mischievous young fox named pistuvi uh who has the thing about birds against birds but uh he lives with a little girl Jean, and um they uh they live in a tree, kind of a tree house, but they live in a tree uh, surrounded by a field. Uh, the back of the book says prairie, but it, it which is tended to by a rather giant of a man who sits on his tractor and just plows the field. Um, but the uh, there's um, oh, there's also a wind spirit that the tractor man absolutely loves uh and and she's friends with gene and um and they just it, it's a bit of an anthology the, the each each chapter is is just a handful of pages um but the the art is absolutely fantastic there's there's a little bit more of a manga feel than i get from most magnetic books um but it's still very european in feeling but uh the Jean and, and Pistuvi, they are just enjoying life. She's, uh, she's they, they take care of each other. Um, it's it's a black and white book. It's a small small form factor type uh, soft cover book with 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 magnetic rounded corners. But um, it, like I said about the birds, though, there's something about the birds that just really freak Pistuvi out and and. He, he walks around with his little slingshot. 
he'll take a bird out here or there with it. Um, and it, it's, it's kind of just like the whole circle of life kind of thing. But uh, as the story continues, the, 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 the chapters feel like they're kind of just done in one little short stories, like a day in the life or whatever adventures they're getting up to. But you do see that there is a, a thread going through it. Um, and there is some change involved at, uh, by the time you get to the end of the book. And the, the last chapter is a bit of a, um, that, that that's where you'll really get some of um, the emotional twisting. Uh, it's, 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 um, there's, there's a little bit of a, um, you know, it's, it's, I don't know if coming of age is the right word, but, but yeah, you're, you're seeing the transition of the characters, uh, particularly Pastubi, but, but also Gene, where they're going from childhood uh, to, to becoming a little bit more responsible and, um, and letting go of the past or letting go of childlike things that uh, are a bit of an anchor or won't, um, won't benefit you uh as you move forward but it's um it is it, it is an absolutely great looking book uh there are probably things in here that um may have just i don't want to say going over my head but there may be some things that i didn't necessarily pick up on um that may require me to kind of just examine it a little bit more but as far as the things that are said and the actions that the characters take that's pretty straightforward, but um, I don't know if it's something that may get lost in translation. There, I, I think some of the uh, the heavier emotional impacts um, may not have uh, landed with me as strongly as they could have. But um, the art definitely does a fantastic job of getting the uh, the point across as far as emotions and reactions. The expressions are amazing on the faces. Um, I, I liked it a lot. It, it, it I'm, I mean, it, it, it's, it's pretty much a quick read. I'm bummed that I, it, it took me forever to finally get it off the shelf and read it, but um, I'm glad I did read it. It's, um, it's, it really is. It's, it, it's a nice little book and there's a, there's some nice embossing on the cover. Um, it really is a, a pretty sharp package, but, um, but yeah, I, uh, if, if you come across, it, if you find it, um, I would definitely, recommend checking it out it's um yeah it was written by merwan designed and directed by uh bertrand Gatinol, and um and yeah i i definitely think um if you enjoy the magnetic books and and it's also i mean there is um on the back it does say this book is intended for middle grade readers aged 8 to 14 or above so um so it, it's one of those books you could probably also uh, read along or read to or give to um, the uh, the youngsters in the house. But I would check it out. I will probably be. Um, I, I love the art in it, so I'm 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 torn between whether or not I'm going to devote shelf space to it or give it to a patron who uh, who can also enjoy it. So that's where I am with that. But yeah, I would definitely give Stuvi a shot if you can get your hands on it. Nice, yeah, and of course. If you're going to talk about Merwan, I have to throw out the Astro of Pan love again because of course love that book. Um, uh, I know I uh, that's why I made the point earlier when discussing Carbon and Silicon. I didn't intend to come off as anti Capes Cows because uh, I read uh, an entire 
Marvel series this week. Nice. Yes. Um, it is the current reigning Eisner winning best new series. Uh, and that is Black Widow, which uh, won in the last Eisner's uh, for best new series created by uh, former guest of the show, uh, Kelly Thompson. And uh, primarily, the art is primarily uh, done by Elena Casagrande, uh, although she is not uh, ex- exclusively the uh, the penciler um, throughout the series. But she is the uh, certainly the uh, the predominant one and the and the original uh, penciler. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know. I was just in the mood. I mean, I I kind of earmarked this series as something to check out because I am a fan of Kelly's work. I had read the first issue uh, when it came out and liked it. Um, and then, you know, I just was sort of in the mood uh, to, to read, to check it out, uh, you know, after the the um, after the Hawkeye, uh, Kate Bishop Hawkeye sh- series on Disney Plus, which, uh, you know, spoilers features Elena Belova uh, as one of the car- castmates. And so I thought, OK, I'll, maybe now is a good time to check out the book. And, and there have been 14 issues so far. So I reread number one and then. Fin- and then with the other 13 issues and it's t- it's fantastic it definitely deserves the, the kudos it received last year um it, it, obviously as people can imagine given the name of it it, it it's the, the main the main character of course is natasha romanoff uh, aka black widow uh in, in the book in the first issue she is uh shot and falls off of a building and uh, a few months later she is across the country in san francisco presumably with amnesia She's married, and she has a kid, and the kid is not, like, three months old. The kid is, like, a toddler, and uh, it's all very confusing. She seemingly doesn't remember who she was ever. She's just living this new life, and uh, two of her friends slash lovers, uh, Clint Barton and Winter Soldier, uh, basically try and figure out what's going on they, they they stake out the situation they see her living this life and they're super confused like why is she acting this way where's the kid from should they intervene should they not intervene because she's happy like you know they're very torn and uh elena shows up and she's like yo gets to step in we're let she's living her best life right now i'm on and i'm gonna figure out what's going on but in the meantime like let's not blow up her spot maybe there's something going on with her mind we don't know why she's thinking this way what's what's the cause of it and so forth uh, and then, obviously, over the course of the first arc, we find out why, like, what's happening? Why is she, why is she living like this? What, what is, what is going on? How does she have a kid? Um, you know, who is this husband? All of these things. And I'll be vague about that because it's, it's a key part of the our first arc is the answers to those questions. But essentially, from there, uh, the 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 events that unfold in those early issues lead to this being, um, in essence, a revenge comic. Um, Natasha basically has a shit list of people that she feels she owes revenge toward, and she and her crew, uh, gets to, to enacting on that revenge, and then they sort of then fall into a little bit of a, like, it, it, it kind of morphs into a, a little bit of a, uh, like a Birds of Prey vibe, you know, uh, where there's a bunch of female ass-kicking women a uh, few off female women uh there's a bunch of ass-kicking women who team up under yelena and natasha's watch to uh to, to to solve crimes in on the west coast um so there's there's lots of nods to like if you know natasha's history there was a time 
uh, and I'm saying this for the listeners, not for you two, Shumokes, because I know you know this, where she was based in San Francisco along with Daredevil. They were an item, and they were out there doing their thing in San Fran, uh, having left New York. So she's got history there, and it pays homage to that to an extent. Um, Elena Casagrande's art is incredible and perfect for a book like this. Um, it's it's actually quite evocative. It's like of the same school as, as Joel Jones, uh, particularly like the Lady Killer stuff, um, where, where Casagrande does these... Uh, pretty innovative, well, it, creative, well-executed panel layouts that really focus on the mechanics of a fight scene. Um, she's not the only one that does it, certainly, but but I think she's she she does that that uh, that trickery well. She does that. She 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 plays that that she plays those chords well. Um, the fill-in artist is Rafael De La Torre, who I think on their own is uh, is quite good as well. I would say that because De La Torre is a bit of a softer, wispier line weight and body type, a little bit less interested in being consistent in terms of the anatomy, like a little bit more free-flowing, it, it, it feels a little bit like a juxtaposition, a noticeable juxtaposition against Casa Grande's like super tight, super strong, you know, black outlined, line weights that, that that play so well through most of the book. And then I have to give a special shout out to the fill-in artist in issue 13, uh, Rafael Pimentel. Um, that's a flashback issue. And so I love that what they did is they got a different artist to do the flashback issue. And Pimentel's style is very much like the, it's, 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 I'm sure it's digital in its production because it's 2022, but it looks like colored pencil and it's done in a vibe that's extremely manga-esque, like an action manga that you'd see in like Shonen Jump uh, because it's a flashback of Natasha meeting, basically meeting her match or even maybe her better uh, back in the day in Madripoor. So I thought that was like, such a treat, especially, you know, in a, in a Marvel superhero book to see them take that, that creative stance and give us a totally different artistic vibe to evoke that it was a flashback. But uh, super fast reads, really engaging. We're we're through two complete arcs now, about to get to a third. Uh, I love the supporting cast. Like I said, Elena is there as her aide de camp, sister slash partner, whatever you want to call it. Um, Anya Corazon is in there, who some may remember is one of the spider, you know, the web warrior. She is Spider Girl, one of the Spider Girls. Um, and there's a few others who I'll I'll leave to be surprises, but uh, but it's an interesting and, and engaging cast of, of of characters, mainly women, not entirely, but mainly. Uh, certainly, Clint and uh, and and Bucky are a part of the book as well as recurring characters, and we get a, a an interesting take on Natasha in that she's got these um, like roots now in terms of of a relationship with a husband and a kid who are it's new for her right like she's always been somewhat of a loner uh, a cold-blooded killer doesn't really have roots just kind of like loves him and leaves him doesn't doesn't make bonds and now she's forced to deal with a life where she has these really strong emotional bonds with these people that she didn't ask for but she has them now and uh yeah it's just really well executed i think kelly's terrific at the interpersonal relationship conventions uh of a superhero character I think it's one of her strong suits. She's really good at balancing the personal with the action, like like a like a, a I think like a, any superhero comic book writer should be good at. Um, and she's really I think excellent at that. And uh, and this is just another feather in her cap. 
So, yeah, two big thumbs up for, for Black Widow. Current, it's still ongoing. Like I said, issue number 14 just came out. But uh, but really, really fun, uh, action-packed series for Marvel. It sounds good. That's sounds great. like fun. Yeah. yeah, It is. Yeah. yeah, really, yeah. Really. I, I'm just a big fan of, of Yelena now, like, in part because of the MCU. <laughs> you know? Like, I, I think I look at that character in a much fonder way than I might have in previous comic iterations where she was just like, Oh, the new black widow. And I didn't really think of her as, as, as an individual. I just thought of like, Oh, they need, they need a new Russian version of black widow. Cause Natasha's obviously not that anymore. And, and now with the way that that character has been born out. So I think entertainingly and, and, and funny and frankly, and you know, in, in the MCU, I, I, I just, I, I like reading this now. I I'm, I'm, I'm reading this character as that, version of Yelena, whether that was intended or not, and it, it does make for a much richer, fulfilling experience, uh, at least for me. Awesome. Yes, sir. I'm going to tell you about my current crush. You have many. You just, like, you started the show off with one. Well, this yeah. is, this hit hard. And um, you guys know I'm playing Elden Ring. Yeah, I, I, you've been quiet about it lately. I uh, you might have given up. No, oh no, no, no. If I tell you how many hours I have sunk into it, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, this book makes me think of that experience in that there are many areas um, in Elden Ring that are ridiculously inhospitable. Mm-hmm. To the to the point where it seems like the land itself exists for no other reason than to remove you from life, <laughs> right? It it it's 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 despicable. But um, the world in this book reminds me very much of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this is a world that seems to want to extricate extricate humanity from its surface. Okay, it's an aftershock title. I read the first volume, which was written by Inaki and Roy Miranda, with art by Inaki Miranda. Eva de la Cruz is the colorist. It's a little series called We Live. And I believe Dap sampled it. Am I wrong? I Yeah, no, I do have the... Um, uh, I didn't get the trade, the first volume. I was uh, thumbing through... The first issue of the new series, but don't I want look at to that. read. Okay, you, yeah, don't look at it. There's right. two of them. There's yeah. a black, black and a white. A white and a black. Yeah, yeah, no, don't look at them. All right. I'll um, first trade so, so here's the premise: humanity is on the wane. Uh, we're going away. We're becoming extinct, and uh, a signal comes from space. Uh, a race contacts humanity and says you guys are done but we'll take 5000 of you off planet just to make sure that that you your species uh survives persists but we only want 5000 children so what we live at least the first volume uh in essence is about uh, a young boy his name is Hototo is uh, ushered into this program and you're given an arm uh, like a gauntlet type thing uh, you're you are signed up the only problem is you have to get to 
the extrication point. You, you know, take a bus, walk through the deadly jungles. Uh, you got to get to the place where we're going to collect y'all and take you to the, the ships that are going to take you off planet. So uh, Hototo is a, very young. Uh, he has a superhero fetish. Wants nothing more than be a superhero. He's got a really cool uh, helmet. Uh, he, his sister made him a cape and a superhero uniform, and he, so he's loving it. But he doesn't realize just how dangerous the planet is. The sister, uh, her name is Tala. She's a little older. She's maybe early teens, and she is. She's. It's her responsibility to make sure that her brother gets to this extrication point because mom and dad, unfortunately, are dead. The kids had to bury them, and all of her brother's existence is heaped upon the shoulders of her. She's going to stay back. She knows she's dead, but she's bringing her brother, she's giving her brother a second chance at life. And um, that's not the only thing. There, There's a, uh, a plague, that a plant-based plague that turns, um, it's like 28 Days Later a bit, turns people into ravenous, bloodthirsty killers. But the cool thing about it is since it's plant-based, if you, if you wrap an infected in plastic or put them on concrete, like if you remove them from the ground, the, path, the, the, the virus or whatever it is, uh, the invading thing dies. But it's, you can't do it. To, you can't save the person. You can only stop it from spreading. So once you get it, you're, you're basically done. Right? It's cool. There, there are animals that have mutated in uh, this world. It's, it's riveting. Um, the, there are mechs involved in the mix. And, and like, like Jason's Carbon and Silicon, there may be uh, too many themes to juggle here, but I think it works out really well. And uh, I read the first issue, and you know when you read something and you're like, wow. This is, I've never read anything like this before. Yeah, the, some of the premise is, is familiar. Humanity's bordering on extinction. There, there are, are mutated animals that are ripping people apart. There's a, a pathogen. Like, we've, all, we've seen all this before. But the way, the bubble, the envelope in which all this is presented is just amazing. Like, I, I'm, I'm so deep into this world uh, I, I ordered and read the the new issues, black and white, which are a bit different than this, uh, okay. and, and rightly so. I mean, I don't, I won't say anything because Dap hasn't read them yet. But I mean, if you get a chance, do yourself a huge favor. You want to fall in love with with uh, speculative fiction. Uh, there's a bit of the road element to this too, because like Walking Dead, well, don't, Jason just perked up. Yeah, say so you talking about lingua. No, don't fall in love with any of these characters because uh, some of them don't stick around. And uh, yeah, I latched onto one pretty early, and I was like, "Oh, well, this is a bad, bad, bad place." <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I don't. I really don't want to say anything else um, to spoil things, but it 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 has the best. Um, elements of an open world video game like Elden Ring. You never know what's going to come from behind and rip you apart. Uh, the, and, the, and the design and execution, the art is just phenomenal. It's, it's just so magnificently presented. Um, 
by Enaki Miranda. It, I, this is a, a joint effort. Story is as good as the, the art. So if you're not reading We Live uh, by the Miranda Brothers, the first trade is only $16.99, and it, I think it collects the first five or six issues. But whatever, it, it's a nice, hefty um, read. Uh, it's it's kind of talky, but that's okay, right? You need to know w about the world. You need to, you, you need information. You can't just yeah. yeah. I love it. I love We Live. Love it. That's great. Yeah. Keep going. Well, uh, I continue to be titillated and uh, endlessly entertained by the non-Hellboy portion of the Mignolaverse. Uh, a week or two back, I gave some love to Falcon Spear. Uh, this week, uh, I know Vince is a fan of this series. I don't know if he's if he's behind or not, but uh, this week we're back into uh, loving the Baltimore part of his uh world and this is lady baltimore the witch queens uh new hardcover which collects the uh the limited series that came out last year uh long time listeners know that we've talked about the uh the lord baltimore um series as they've come out over the years lord baltimore was uh, a a uh, a monster hunter, you know, a vampire hunter that uh, was a little bit like Blade and that he had some some uh, supernatural tendencies himself. And uh, at some point along the way, he gets hitched to he gets married to uh, who we now know as Lady Baltimore. It wasn't really a marriage out of love, per se. It was more that he wanted to make sure that his assets and abilities and quest to rid the world of evil continued so she kind of like took on the mantle. Um, uh, I, I guess in a way I'm spoiling for those of you that, that, that aren't caught up that, that Lord Baltimore meets his, his maker at some point, which did in fact happen um, along the way of all of these stories. Um, so this is, uh, you know, she is now the, his wife is now the protagonist. Um, and I gotta say that uh, this was a jam packed adventure, man. Like, um, it, like, first of all, those that know me and know the kind of stories are like, I love getting the band together. You know, that's my thing. And this is her getting her crew together. I presume for, uh, subsequent arcs of this, this will be her crew. And, uh, now, so, now some have, have been in, in prior arcs of, of, of the Baltimore run, but, but I mean, like she, a big part of this is kind of them all having a common foe and teaming up together and then realizing they make a pretty hell of a good team. And, uh, we're kind of left with this premise of, of, of her leading this band of, 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 uh, monster hunters, you know, uh, together, uh, and that they're better together than they are apart. And I, that, so that had me sprung. Um, it's, it's written by Mignola and Christopher Golden, uh, with art by Bridget Connell. Um, so as with all things, you know, Mignola seems to be impeccable in his ability to find artists that fit into his supernatural world. Each one is quite different. I think stylistically Connell is, she skews in terms of her, her line and her anatomy, like a little more like you would find in maybe a YA novel, comic, you know, graphic novel than you would expect from the, the moodier 
heavier blacks that you see with a lot of, of Mignola's artistic partners. Um, but I think it works fine in this, you know, um, I'm not going to say that she's no James Heron, you know, like, it's not like, like this isn't Tyler Crook. I, I wouldn't say that. I, I think Connell's art is, uh, is, is like the, you know, is a major, uh, selling point to the book, but I think it's fine. It's absolutely fine. Um, but I did really enjoy the story and I, 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 at, at, at its, at its, at issue here is Lady Baltimore and her crew, um, are up against a group of super powerful witches who draw their power from the dark gods, Vince. So like straight Cthulhu and they've been around forever and they have teamed up into a, basically a network of witches that are partnered up with Hitler and the Nazis. And they are, uh, the hidden, the hidden engine of why the Nazis are able to have early success in terms of invading Europe and like, and, you know, in particular Poland in this case. Um, and so Lady Baltimore and her crew have to uh, try and dismantle this as it's happening. And uh, it's it's fantastic. I mean, there are double crosses and there are like super powerful elder beings and there are witches of all like good and bad that are yield that look different and different different design types and have different powers. Uh, and uh, there's a couple twists that I didn't see coming. Um, there's great character development. Like I said, I mean, it's, it's, it's getting this crew together and some of them are new, some are not, but, but I think each gets a fair amount of screen time, if you will, to, to, to get to care about the characters and understand their motivations. Um, it was just a ride, man. It was one of those books where you jump on and you're holding on for dear life from the bucking Bronco and you're almost exhausted by the end of it because you can't believe everything that happened. I mean, this is not decompressed storytelling. This is, I mean, Mignola and Golden pack a ton of action and story into these uh, these issues, and uh, I don't think I've re- I, I've yet to read a Baltimore arc that wasn't incredibly satisfying. Um, I have no idea if like these stories are as popular from a sales perspective as the Hellboy stuff. Probably not. Um, Joe Gollum's in this, I should mention, who also has had two or three miniseries of his own. Uh, so yeah, just 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 a great classic Mignola supernatural adventure uh, that would make for a fantastic movie or Netflix series if they had the budget. But uh, yeah, I was, I was totally engrossed and uh, like I said, wild ride, man. It's just, it's nonstop from page one till the end. That's great. You behind in the Baltimore Vince? Very. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right. I think maybe two collections behind. All right. So he's still alive in your in your world. Uh well, not now. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, to be fair, it's it's it says as much in the solicits to the last series of this, like only if you read them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying, like Lady. Bo- okay, fair enough. I told it for a second. No, but you know like what? Three years. It happened like three years ago. I, I, hey, that's fair game. Yeah. It, whose fault is that? Pointing the finger at me. Right. Mm-hmm. That's true. All right. Um. Yes, Tap? Uh, so the fourth issue and final issue, uh, emphasis on final, of King of Spies by um, Mr. Mark Miller and Mr. Mateo Scalera. Um, weirdly enough, the cover for the trade in the March previews is done by someone completely different, not Mateo, and which kind of bums me out because uh, the artist's name 
escapes me at the moment, but uh, it's kind of complementary to what Mateo did inside the series, but I'm still at a loss as to why. Um, oh, Osgar, you'll, maybe it's one of the variant covers. Uh, Osgar looks like he does um, at least the, the variant for, for the four. Bobgar? It's a Bobgar variant? It's not a bo- Osgar. Oh, I thought it was an Ornelas variant. Uh, no, 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 no B1 here. Um, the, uh, oh, but Osgar's also on the design team. So, all right, so maybe maybe Mark was just being nice. Anyway, the fourth issue wraps up this miniseries. Um, the, uh, be, basically, so, so the twins that uh, came after our man Roland at the end of the third issue, the uh, the twins, of course, being he with no legs and she with no arms, and she carries him around on her back. Uh, they uh, were in the middle of the fight between them and Roland, um, being Roland's book. It does not end well for uh, for the twins, but he uh, he ends up getting captured by. The Secret Service by by the British uh, Secret Service by um, by MI5, except there's a um, they think they have him dead to rights. They 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 shot him and, and he's down on the ground. But when um, when Roland's son shows up to claim his father, uh, Team Seven all seems to be on the ground and dead. So we cut to uh, Brussels where Roland catches up with, um, with a woman who um, Fatima, who he knew way back when, uh, when both were much younger and um, were much more um, had younger bodies and they were enjoying each other's company. And uh, because of all the medication, because Roland is sick, which is why he's doing all of this, uh, he really can't do what he used to do, uh, we'll say. Um, and and he, this is what makes it a more tender moment between the two of them and, and, and as they talk about things. Um, but Roland has a plan. Um, but that plan is cut short or plans change because it turns out that his son was captured, that he's being held, he's being held hostage by a fundamentalist group. Uh, Roland knows it's a coded message. It's directed at him. Um, So uh, they're, they're going to murder. Basically they're saying the, the the agency's saying that they're going to murder um, Atticus. If Roland doesn't surrender. Um, So, that's what he's going to do. He goes and and he uh, and he turns himself in, complete in full royal navy garb. Um, shows up at the uh, at the building, and he um, he is knocked unconscious and shackled up. And lo and behold, standing in front of him is Atticus because it was all a setup. Which of course, Roland's no fool. He knew this. Uh, but he also knows his time is short, so he makes some um, some pretty drastic moves. Things do not necessarily go, I think, the way he planned. The end result is still pretty much the same. Uh, the book ends, the series, the story ends on a much um, as as gory and as, as, as fucked up and it, it is in many cases. The story does end on somewhat of a... Um, 
of a happy note. Uh, Roland does his best to make right after so, so many years of, um, of doing wrong, of being wrong, cheating on his wife, not being there for his child. Uh, he, um, he, but that's the life he led. That's all he knew. And, uh, and, you know, queen and country and all that. So, um, he, he does try to make it right at the end. There are some smiles, um, not, uh, not from Roland, but it, um, it, it was basically one of those books where you kind of knew where we were going, but you had a lot of fun getting there. So, um, I would, I would recommend the, uh, the trade. It's only four issues. It, it, it's, it's fast paced. I wouldn't mind seeing it if I don't know if this is going to be one of the, um, things that, uh, Netflix is going to put out that, uh, it does say that, um, uh, created by Mark Miller at Netflix, so I don't know if, if if that's just his stamp on everything he does, regardless of whether it's going to actually make it to the streaming service. But um, I wouldn't mind seeing this uh, adapted because I mean, hell, these four issues kind of flew by. This could just be a one-hour special. It doesn't even have to be a movie. It, it's I mean, unless they want to go into detail on on some of the characters and their uh, and their background. But King of Spies was uh, was a lot of fun. It was. Um, it was graphic, and uh, it is not for anybody who um, is not keen on blue language. But uh, it, it's it's what I kind of expect from Miller, and it definitely. I mean, listen, if, if you've already read Wanted, if you've read Kick Ass, kind of know what to expect from Miller. But um, Mateo's art, of course, is slamming. But I had a lot of fun with it. So yeah, I'm I'm glad it uh, it, it, it wrapped up. I'm not glad it wrapped up. I'm, I'm glad I got to finish it, um, and uh, yeah, you could. Uh, there, there are many four-issue miniseries that uh, you could waste your time with. King of Spies is not one of them. Okay, neat. I got one more thing, real quick, before we go into your in your travels. Uh, Fanographics now, the new comics anthology has been. Every issue has been excellent. Yep. I got number 11. Nice. And I got to say, I think 11 may be the best issue yet. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, A lot of the stories, it it doesn't really pay to describe any of this stuff because a lot of the stories are very much up for interpretation, at least in terms of the narrative. But visually, this is, I think, the most challenging, diverse just drop dead gorgeous on all levels issues that they've published to date. I don't know. I didn't put them all side by side, but <laughs> to to my peepers, this issue is just a magnificent product. There's one stinker. It's an anthology. You're going to have some stories that don't connect, but in, in a 128 page anthology, if one 10 page story doesn't co- connect entirely, that's a good hit ratio, right? Hit to miss. The thing about this issue is the color, especially the work of Baptiste Vero. Oh, my goodness. I mean, when you see this stuff, it, you're just going to get knocked on your ass. And it's all flat color, but it's used so magnificently well. There's a, a story called uh, The Junk Man by Tim Lane that is intricately, delicately, amazingly detailed that... I felt 
like I was reading an underground from the 70s. It is just so stupendously presented. And the story, especially for older folks like myself, it, it's reminiscent of, of events gone by. And uh, it's a post-apocalyptic landscape, but um, people cling to those things that they hold dear regardless of their current uh, situations. And it doesn't look like it's a good situation for anybody in this world, but whatever. I, I, I thought this issue was brilliant. And it is it is a bargain at twelve ninety nine. They've upgraded yeah. the cover stock. And it's it's a clay-coated stock that's nice and shiny for the cover. And it's 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 got a nice weight to it. All of it has a... It, again, it's fantagraphic, so you know the production values are, are through the roof. It's wow. Uh, I again, it, it ranges from um, modern primitive to art brute to cartoony. There's um, a, a pastiche of um, the Archie comics approach in here, which that was the one that really didn't click with me, but. Uh, really uh, subtle pink and uh, like a, a low-grade tan. That's the color palette of this one story, and it just works really, really well. But get it. Now, the new comics anthology, edited by Eric Reynolds from Fantagraphics. It's amazing. It's just plain amazing. Yeah, I, I, I have it here. I have... Um, I read... I, I'm... I'm not current on it, so I, I let them pile up, and then I realize that that's silly because they're not... It's... I find that some of the... St I, I really can't read, like, four or five, back to back to back. I, I need I need to space them out, so I really should just read them when they come in. But um, I, I absolutely adore it. it yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah, the, 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 the one I read, I think I either read... Maybe the fourth or fifth issue, and most of the stories in there really, really. And there was one. I, it's weird. There was there, there was like one that was just didn't really hit the mark with me. But there's there's some stories that are just like absolutely. You put it down, and you're like that was that was absolutely fantastic. You're gonna get some gems. Yeah, I'll be totally honest. Some of the stories I come away from the narrative part of it like. Okay, like I remember that scene from Purple Rain, where where Prince's dad is going, your, your music don't make any sense to anybody other than yourself. You know, that's kind of like what a lot of the stories are in in now. The that I'm sure from the perspective of the creator, it makes perfect sense. Uh, but as an as an experiencer, as one that that has like a uh, a, a very narrow window into this this world. A lot of the stuff it just doesn't like it doesn't add up, right? right. That, that's okay, because when the visuals are this good, uh, art for art's sake. If if I can groove on what you've laid down for my eyes, I don't really need uh, in a lot of instances to to plug the brain into the narrative. Not saying that that's all that's presented in now, but but some of the the stories are just a little too personal. Uh, in terms of the creator, that no one can. Uh, well, I don't want to say no one, but they're very hard to to encapsulate or to understand on on that level. I don't. I don't really care about that. I, I just love the way this anthology looks, 
and mm-hmm. reads for the most part. Jason, I'm surprised you're not reading this. Yeah, I, I, I sounds good. You guys, every, I mean, every time we talk about it, it sounds great. I, but I am not reading it. Right. Um, anybody that isn't in on the Now Comics anthology, good luck getting the early issues. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I saw issue two going for a hundred clams. Stop Damn. playing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. I don't know. I mean, it, that may just have been an egregious eBay seller, but uh, yeah, the some of the issues go for for decent money. Not that you would part with them anyway, but yeah. Correct. So there you go. All right, everybody. Hey, we hope you really enjoyed this because it was sponsored by our patrons. They are there for us each and every month. We love them so much. They are family. And if you would like to see what all this patron stuff is about, go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Look around. In addition to the audio, video, images, all that stuff that's presented on the patron site proper, we also have a tier that will allow you access to the Slack group where we talk um, to our family all day long. There's currently uh, a top 10 daily examination uh, going on of our favorite, all-time 10 favorite comic book it's creators. wonderfully maddening. That it is. That is uh, helmed by the great and powerful Jay Tomio. So, Legend. yeah, he is. And it's, it's just great to just, you know, jump on the Slack every day. You got a top 10 list. You got a, another thing where people are contributing to uh, in addition to all the discussion and images and links and all that stuff, it's just like the old message boards without mm, the people. Yeah, without the people that just troll. There's no trolls. <laughs> so it's cool. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. In your travels, speaking of all time favorite comic book artists and writers, I implore you, if you really haven't. Uh, been converted to the magic of the comic strip i want you to seek out the first volume from manuscript press in association with um the dolph briscoe center for american history the university of texas at austin uh contributed to this book it is alley oop volume one dinny and it is the first bunch of strips created by V.T. Hamlin uh, about his uh, signature character, that lovable caveman, Alley Oop. The neat thing about this book is you get two different perspectives because uh, V.T. Hamlin signed in, signed on to a syndicate called Bonnet Brown uh, very early. And, uh, well, initially in the, the run of Alley Oop. And then he was picked up by a bigger syndicate. So what he did was he retraced his steps. He went back and he redrew, rejiggered, reconstructed all of the strips that were published by Bonnet Brown. Same storyline, many of the same instances, you know, slight and not so slight tweaks. And he re- redid all the stuff. So in this book, you get the run that was seen by the wide audience you get it first and then in the back of the book you get the bonnet brown run so you can compare and you get to see just how much vt hamlin 
grew artistically in a really, really short period of time. So, uh, in a nutshell, it's Ali Oop's first meeting with his buddy, Dinny. How he befriends this dinosaur, brings him back to the people, and um, becomes a hero and a superstar. And uh, the king doesn't like it. And it, it's the, the first meeting between Ali and Ula, who would eventually uh, chew up a lot of real estate in the, the strip. It's just amazing stuff. I love V.T. Hamlin's work. Uh, Alley-oop is one of the strips that is nearest and dearest to my heart. And I think this collection is, is, is worthy of your investigation. It's um, landscape format, which is really cool. Love it. Yeah. Um, 1999 but you can get it cheaper um, other places. And it's it's all black and white, as it should be. And it's just magnificent. It's a piece of friggin' history. 1933. And it feels as fresh as, as yesterday. So uh, check it out. V.T. Hamlin, Alley Oop, Book One, Dinny from Manuscript Press. Nice. Uh, let's see. Any travels? Um, what else did I get caught up on? Uh, um, yeah, there was... Uh, well, I don't want to talk about Chicken Devil because I don't think Vince finished it yet. Um, but two image, well, no, just all right. So another miniseries that wrapped up was a uh, a thing called Truth, which I've talked about each of the five issues so far. But uh, this wraps up the uh, the fantastic story between uh, Dorian and Mag and. Um, there are this was an issue that the relationship kind of took a turn um but it's still there's still some unanswered questions especially with the work that the good doctor uh left behind that her company basically stole from her um but they uh we don't know what's going on we kind of left it's up in the air as far as the status of, you know, her ex who filed for divorce and she has to sign the papers and um, the life she left behind. We kind of we don't get anything um, on that for that. Uh, this is this is still just the story of these two women and um, and that's kind of their relationship, kind of. Uh, falls apart for a moment. Um, but then there's some inner monologues that happen and, and people try to, and, and, and so there's a whole moment where they, where Max goes running through, um, through the airport to catch up with Dorian and, uh, and she just needs to express how she feels um and when she does and Dorian returns back to her uh the moment you kind of expected happens and then that's it so the issue ends on a happy note but you know you as the reader are left wondering what happened about some of the other characters that went on but again it wasn't their story uh and then there's a preview for the next book that Ilanda 
and Elisa are doing uh, that'll be coming out in the fall called The Least We Can Do, which seems to be a um, set in a in a future where um, yeah, it, it's there's there's some sword and sorcery well, there's some sword work, there's some armor um, but it looks like it's uh, a civilization used to exist. It, it's weird. I can't really tell from the hand. We're not getting much of a bat. We're getting some preview pages of things of, of this first issue. Uh, so that's enough to entice you, but you don't know anything really about this world. So um, I don't know if the solicits will go into any detail. Um, I'm going to check out the first issue because I, I like the work that these two have done. Um, but uh, it's a departure from a thing called truth. So, so that'll be nice. But, um, but yeah, they, they, they go into a red telephone. One of the characters in these preview pages goes into a red telephone box and then it just, uh, it looks like it, um, well, it, it's like a trap door, like from get smart and it just, it, it disappears. And that's the end of the preview, but uh, a thing called truth, the trade will be out next month. If you weren't reading the issues, uh, if you just want the funky little story about these two women who go on a crazy road trip uh, across Europe um, and actually admit their feelings eventually, um, the art's amazing in the book, I think. But uh, but yeah, so in your travels, uh, if you weren't reading it in single issues, get the trade next month for A Thing Called Truth. That's the straight truth, Ruth. Boom, boom. <laughs> You guys know uh, the concept of phantom limbs? Yes. Yeah. I feel like I had a, a mental version of that because last week was a bit of an odd duck because we had Mr. Ryan Brown on and we didn't do our typical fodder. We didn't do the intro, the drink roll call. We didn't do the, the in your travels. It's like probably one of only a very few handful of, of episodes in our, you know, decade plus long history where we didn't do any inner travels and my inner travels last week would have been olympia and and so I, i'm sitting here as, as you guys are doing your inner travels thinking did i did i talk about olympia last week and i'm like well i couldn't have because we didn't do any inner travels but then i made it my best thing i read which is the weekly feature that we do on facebook and the slack so I felt like I talked about it, but I haven't actually on the podcast talked about it. At least, at least Vince, Vince assures me that I'm not cracking up. So in your travels, um, as I'm sure many of you already did avail yourselves of this, make sure that if you haven't ordered it, go ahead and do so now. From Fantagraphics, Olympia, which is by uh, Vive, Repair, and Mulot. It is a sequel to uh, the wonderful Grand Odalisque, which uh, we talked about last year. Um, for those that don't remember, Grand Odalisque was a uh, was a heist comic uh, about uh, three women, Carol, Alex, and Sam, who are tasked with breaking into the Louvre and stealing the famous painting, the Grand Odalisque. This picks up um, sometime after that last heist. Uh, Carol, who was the leader, is uh, no longer in the game. She's nine months pregnant, and she's running an art gallery. But uh, Alex and Sam are still doing their best thieving, and um, they have to steal 
an ancient artifact for uh, some some you know private benefactor. Uh, but uh, the handoff of said artifact uh, doesn't go well. In fact, it goes pretty much on a handbasket, and it puts them in a very, very tenuous position. Uh, and the only way they can get out of the position is they have to break into the Petit Palais, another French art museum, and steal not one but three priceless paintings, including, as the book is named, Olympia. Uh, and uh, hijinks ensue. So it's another heist, another heist book, so well executed. Uh, you know the art is fantastic. It's a uh, you know it's a direct sequel to a book that that I very very much loved and praised a year ago. And uh, and and I think this is a very worthy successor. Um, the the action is picked up a notch. The danger and intrigue is picked up a notch. And uh, much like in the first. Uh, volume it has a uh, a fun and apropos ending uh that leaves you quite satisfied if you're fans of 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 these three uh protagonists which which i think i am so uh two huge thumbs up uh unsurprisingly certainly for olympia uh and i don't know if we're gonna get more but i certainly would love it if we make this a trilogy because uh because I could, I could use some more Love me a good heist, good good heist films. I like a good like a good heist story. So, Olympia, check it out. Take it. We have what may be our first trio of Oramas this episode. Three Oramas. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Trio Oramas. I like it. Scout, magnetic, and fanographics. Love it. There you go. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here. If you want more to fill your brain and not your ears, go to Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook. We have presences there. Everywhere podcasts can be downloaded, you can get this if you don't already know, but you must because you're listening to it. But tell a friend that they can go to Spotify, Podcatcher, Podcast Pickle, Jimmy's Podcast Basement. You can go wherever you want to get this. It'll be there. And uh, why don't you do us a favor? Come back next week. But in the meantime, say goodnight. That's not. I'm not making it. Uh, David. Goodnight. No, you don't have to do that. That was stupid. That was silly. It's a big dummy. No. David. Nice. We're out of here. Say goodnight, gentlemen. Good night, gentlemen. That's it for that one.